This week in Filipino history, in 1543, Spanish explorer Roy Lopez de Vallabos named our country the Philippines after King Philip II of Spain, who never actually came to the country, by the way. And about 20 years later, commenced the 300 plus years of Spanish colonization. It's important to know, too, that、um, the archipelago is home to over 175 ethno linguistic regions. Some of our families speak primarily Tagalog, some Ilocano, Bisaya, some Wadai. And、um, even in the mid 19th century, Chinese from the Fujian province left her country due to starvation incurred by the Great Leap Forward, settling in the Philippines, too. That's just to recap recent mass immigration.、Um, former President Cory Aquino's grandfather was one of those first Chinese settlers, too. So the point is, the country is hella diverse, which may be why it's hard for Filipino Americans to root themselves in our ancestral homeland.、Um, how, how can we properly and concisely orient ourselves when homeland is transformative and a melting pot in and of itself? Between the ancestors of indigenous people and those of settlers in the Philippines, having yet to politically, socially, or even respectfully reconcile history with the present, it makes sense that Philam folks have a bit of an identity crisis. Harder still to find it under the umbrella of quote unquote Filipino. In February of last year, President Duterte even proposed that our country's name be changed. That's how contentious the subject matter has become. Not just with politicians, but with Filipino scholars too. And his proposal, it was the Republic of Maharlika. What do y'all think? All right, we're recording. This is cool. This is the Hell of a Shadow podcast. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our bullshit. Oh, dude, that's hella even better. Hell of a Shadow. Welcome back to another episode of the Hello Machado podcast. And today we're talking about cancel culture. What does Maharlika mean? Dude, I don't know. I was hoping that you were going to chime in with that. <laughs> I kind of Dude, figured you guys already knew. <laughs> because like, you have restaurants called Maharlika, and I've heard、yeah. that before. And now this, so I don't even know. I thought you knew. Mr. Google. Maharlika? Yeah, Harlequin. Yeah, because、yeah. I, I do see it and I always attach it to like karaoke. Meaning freedom, freeman or f r e e m a n I could attach it to food, specifically fish. Yeah.、Mm. It's a freeman or a freedman.、Oh. I don't know what the difference is or why there's a difference, but yeah. Freeman? Freeman? Yeah. Free, F R E E M A N or freedman. Wow.、Oh. Okay. Were the feudal、Ooh. war warrior? Oh, they were the、like、feudal warrior class in ancient Tagalog society in Luzon. The Spanish translated the name as Hidalgos or Libres. They belong to the lower nobility class similar to Timawa or the Visayan people. In modern Filipino, however, the term may come to mean royal nobility. Oh, very nice. That's very cool. cool. That、mm-hmm. is cool. I like it. That's interesting. I'm glad I don't see it as much as I do because that's a cool word. Alrighty. Cancel culture, what? Yes, what is it? It's、uh, today's suppression of conservative and racist viewpoints. The most recent example of that was with Michael Lofthouse. I think they were in Napa. It's a Filipino family. They were having、uh, brunch or whatever. And this Michael Lofthouse character calls them out 
saying, you know, go back to your country. Trump is going to F you. The niece or the daughter took a video of Michael with his rant. And the whole thing was caught on camera. And obviously it was posted onto the internet. And everybody was angry. A lot of folks um, started doing their research and looked him up, found his name, found his company, discovered that he was a tech CEO in San Francisco. So a lot of folks called for his resignation, which actually happened. Um, he resigned. He he issued a letter of apology. Is cancel culture a good or bad thing? I was talking to a friend about that, and I think it falls on the spectrum of bad things. But is it the worst thing? Definitely not. And the way that I described it was, you know, you have the very intolerant, right? And, you know, the far right is what we would consider very intolerant. So the intolerance, intolerance is genocide. While the tolerance, intolerance seems to have manifested itself as cancel culture. So is it a good thing? I wouldn't say that because you don't have the sense of checks and balances. Like, does the consequence fit the crime? And usually we find that out in the court system, which in this case is not. It's just a mass of people trying to get the worst consequence possible for the action. Sounds like you're saying it's more of a mob mentality than a social justice. Uh, I definitely don't think it's social justice. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But yeah, I was just looking up some things on it and it asked if it was a uh, mob mentality or social justice and you kind of just went along those lines of saying it's a mob mentality. I mean, like when we think about it, like the way I see it is, it's, it has some sort to do with like accountability, right? Like if we hold our money as sacred, like I think a few episodes back, Francis was talking about, like how do you take a get accountability for your money, right? And if uh, there are people in these companies like CEOs or like their companies in general who are doing something that is, you know, racist, it's holding those folks accountable to like standards. If like if I'm paying a brand this amount of money and their CEO is like doing some like crazy racist stuff, I think it's my right to hold them accountable. So that's taking away support for that company or person. Also, you could also see as like online shaming, right? Like uh, I've seen a lot of folks who've done stuff years or decades ago that only resurfaced now and they, they get canceled for it which I don't really understand. Who are we to like dig up like evidence from people's past and then just cancel them for today, right? Like I feel like sometimes cancel culture doesn't allow folks to uh, redeem themselves and um, just automatically just get blacklisted or silenced. And I'm not too sure if that's like justice or if that's restorative justice at all. Where do you think cancel culture comes from then? Cancel culture, as we know it today, started like a few years ago when um, when those they had a number of white nationalists in Charlottesville, Virginia. I mean, when we see videos of them, what what we remember are the tiki torches. This was a huge Unite the Right rally that the state or the city pretty much declared as unlawful. But this video came out and people on the Internet started to match faces with the names. When they started to find their Facebooks and their social media platforms, they started to reach out to their employers. And the employers became very embarrassed and said that uh, these views don't represent our company. And they started to fire said employees. 
I think around the same time too, there was um there was a Google employee and he had written this very long anti-diversity memo, which basically said that the biological differences between men and women were the reason why we'll never have equality. He's saying that men are better than women. When people start doxing each other, when they see things that they don't like, isn't that the company's right to do that though? To dox don't someone? No, to... not to like to fire somebody if they know that they don't represent their values. Definitely. Like, I'm definitely sure that if I was like, part of the, like an organization that stands up for like equality and then I'm going on this writing these papers or an article saying total opposite right like I'm pretty sure my company would be held responsible for that and then I would be held responsible for those views that's kind of where I have an issue with cancel culture especially when it comes to a company and that employee. It, it also depends on the severity of whatever that person did, of course, but mm -hmm. I think it makes more sense to, like, especially if he's a valuable person, correct the action instead of, like, just canceling him altogether because that's that person's livelihood. Yeah. And to lose everything based off of something he may or may not have intended to do, it's, it's, it's kind of harsh. Like, what do you, what do you do when you ha don't have everything? based off a slight error in judgment. Mm, so of, maybe mm. you can, I don't know, lower his pay and have him redeem himself or something. Because that's my huge problem with cancel culture. There's there's very little room for redemption. Yeah. And it's it's very not, it's really not fair. Yeah. As, in a, as a slice of time, as a, like a slice in the moment of history, cancel culture seems like, poetic justice when we think about all the people of color who have not been able to get the position or the job or um, promotion these are the places that you know after the civil rights movement um, that we've been hit the hardest is our in is our employment right it's our paychecks it's our wallets it's not just where we can live um, based on geography but it's where we can afford to live so you, to get folks who are outwardly racist in their pocketbooks is a in my way feels like a huge sense of accomplishment in the moment of time that it happens like i feel satisfaction it's funny because i was going down the list of things that um, people like about cancel culture and that's one of the um, things they like. It's fast rewards, instant gratification in finding justice in canceling a person. I mean, like with that Michael Lofthouse, I was, yeah, I was hella happy for him yeah. to be, yeah, he deserved it. Like why, why are you as a CEO like yelling and screaming all this like racist ass shit to this family that's just singing happy birthday? And you had no business even saying anything. You know, like in some certain, yeah, your ass should not be a CEO if you like project all this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, I, I have no sympathy for your ass because you're just coming in here and like disrupting people's birthdays just to yell some like racist ass shit. So yeah, definitely you should get canceled. But I, I think there is a, like a quick trigger to cancel culture that a lot of people 
just that's just their automatic reaction to something. Yeah, and it sometimes you know? comes to a unguided point of the mm-hmm. trigger too. Like it's not even critical thinking anymore. Like for yeah. instance, there's there's some people that have been reading who um who were baited into doing the like white power symbol, the okay sign, right? Like some people were baited into that. And then I think this one person did it, took a picture because he was baited into it. Then he got fired from his job unknowingly because he didn't know that that's what that okay symbol meant. How can that be like a positive thing when this person didn't even know what that meant? And then he gets canceled indirectly for something like that, you know, like, I don't know. Like I, that also like leaves me wondering, well, if we're just canceling people and not having a conversation, so we're just silencing them. Right? Like how is that any different from what our history books have been doing with like our people's history? Been silencing them. You know, like from from like pedagogy of the press by Paulo Ferre, like he talks about like, yeah, there are people there's people that are oppressed and there's the oppressors. Once the people who are oppressed start doing the same shit that oppressors do, they become sub-oppressors. And then we repeat the cycle of oppression towards each other. You know, like I, I don't believe that we should be saying all this racist stuff. I do believe we should hold people accountable for it. But there must be like dialogue between these two parties in order to figure out why that shit is wrong. If you like just cancel somebody without having a conversation, what does that really say? You know, you're just holding this power over somebody's life without having any like fruitful dialogue or conversation mm-hmm. with them. Like, how is how is that right? You know, so are we contradicting the First Amendment? Like, are we prohibiting freedom of speech as a as a consequence of cancel culture? I mean, because. You know, government is built to represent the people of the country. And if the people of the country are saying, yes, freedom of speech, except X, Y, Z, then does that not give the government the right to prohibit our freedom of speech? If we have the freedom to speak, we also have the freedom to not listen, right? Like, if if companies want to uh, cancel somebody because somebody doesn't represent their values that's within their right as a private company nobody's gonna say stuff that everybody agrees with i get that right but like where do we actually include the critical thinking piece when we are gonna cancel somebody do we like really take a step back and say like oh is this like the proper way to do it can i have this conversation with this person okay if not then then what it's not a new phenomenon like, let, let's get that out of the There's way. There's just first. different like, forms of it. I, I just feel like since the advent of the internet and most recently the last couple of years, people has just been um, taking that, right? And and um, and making it a thing. But like both, both everybody does it, right? It's just now it's like on the mainstream because people are just trying to cancel celebrities. And I don't think, necessarily celebrities can be canceled because they already accumulated the wealth and resources they need so they can't necessarily be canceled i think cancel culture becomes problematic when we do it to ourselves right like i feel that we in this in this time of age like we're all kind of like uh private investigators we all have our phones to research stuff we could all record stuff so at any instance, it just feels like we're all just surveilling each other, 
waiting for each other to like fuck up, you know? And then boom. Oh, Alvin ate a Chick-fil-A. Time to cancel his ass. Cancel culture like makes us feel powerful in the sense that like, hey, we can actually impact stuff. Right. And then it's kind of, I kind of like attribute that to like bloodlust where you're just waiting to use that power onto somebody else. Right. But that also just speaks on, you know, how, how, how your life is and how um, powerless you may feel. So maybe like that's also a thing where folks who like to cancel other people want that because they feel powerful because they have like an actual, impact on on lives on the topic of uh powerless or having no power found this lady talking about where it comes from and it stems from well she she made a connection to it being from millennials them them being a kind of broken generation where they as a generation they don't have too much power and so they bring it to the internet where everyone's a keyboard warrior and um they start forming like these societies because they all have the same struggles and then in turn find other people who are above them and try to cancel them because they have power behind a keyboard, especially in large packs when you're on Twitter where people network and follow each other and um, they find like-minded people to validate their thoughts and frustrations. So to have that kind of uh, power behind you and a community to back your thoughts, it's it's scary because they can cancel anyone when you make a network that large. So the the funny part, well, I think the ironic part is, is that last week or the last episode we had, um, well, actually in this scenario, it'd be two episodes. Uh, we talk about socialism versus capitalism. And one of the things that manifests itself is that socialism um, eventually comes out as this authoritarian power if it's just as pure authoritarianism. And um, I've been I've been doing a lot of reading, and there's been something considered that socialism is closer to fascism than capitalism ever was. And I think that cancel culture is a dip in that direction because when you're saying that everybody has freedom of speech except x person then what you're doing is you're amending the constitution in a country where our laws and our judgments are based on precedence which is uh, the history of you know past cases it it would be logical to think that what we are doing as a cancel culture um, will eventually bite us in the butt later on. When social media itself as an entity is requested to basically remove fake news or, um, or remove people or individuals who have these racist ideas, we are giving them the power to prohibit people from saying what they want to say. So that's been sort of a, a problem or an issue that I've been, I've been realizing lately is that what we're doing to possibly right these wrongs is actually going to hurt us in the long run. And, and, and when, I, when I think about it too, is that it's, it's our fault in, in many ways if the worst comes to worst. If we think about 
how we vote with our dollars, which we've been talking about on many previous episodes. When we vote with our dollars, we're boycotting certain ideas that don't represent us. So we boycott the company. And the, and the company feels that pressure in their pockets. So what are they going to do? They're going to pivot. They're going to shift their entire story in order for the consumers to accept them um, and to keep purchasing from them. So we, as a majority, boycott and they shift. So we're doing the same thing, right, in cancel culture. But now we're, now we're focusing on the individual. Let's, let's take, for instance, for like, you know, Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima, right? Like those um, brands definitely needed to rebrand because of racist, um, stereotypical images of black folks. That conversation needed to happen a long time ago, but it only happened now because folks just started to realize that. Like, I appreciate that change because, um, because it says like, hey, we are tired of you doing this so we would like you to change it right instead of just saying oh you know you're done forever like never again right so like for me cancel culture is productive when there is a conversation there is an action that needs to happen to to do a follow-through like is that is that communication that is just hella key if you really think about it if we really want to make an impact and making change why are we trying to cancel like ellen for her show whatever happens in Ellen's life is not gonna have that big impact on mine. Like, why are we not taking the same type of um, approach when we hold our politicians accountable? Why are we putting our energy into this when canceling this person or this brand really has, that really doesn't have that much impact on the overall well-being of our country? We all have like, hello, we all have flaws. Right. And if we all look back on our lives and really take a look at all the fucked up things that we did, we would all be canceled. We need to approach life with a sense of wonderment. Like what has happened to this person to make them say or do these things? You guys um, heard of that movie, Birth of the Dragon? It was a Bruce Lee movie. It came out in uh, 2016. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that that movie kind of got canceled because uh, the lead actor who's portraying Bruce Lee was a white man. Really? So yeah, they pretty much yellow faced him to be uh Bruce Lee. And so him being a white man and Bruce Lee obviously being Chinese, um, the the movie got a lot of backlash. Um, I kind of agree. Like, why would you cast a white man for Bruce Lee? Especially Bruce Lee, you know, because he's kind of a, a pillar in Asian Asian American history. A few years back, there was a movie called Memoirs of a Geisha. I mean, it, there wasn't exactly yellow face in it, but it was a Japanese movie that took place in Japan. And the lead actress was uh, Zhang Ziyi, the very, very Chinese woman. Mm-hmm. And um, they every, everyone, everyone in the movie, it was spoken in English, but everyone in the movie talked with a Japanese accent in English. And you had a Chinese woman playing a Japanese woman in Japan. That, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I first saw it back in high school. And I don't think anyone batted an eye to it because no one could tell the difference between a Chinese person and a Japanese person in that movie. Hmm. So I don't know. Do my feelings about that, is it wrong? <laughs> is it just because I understand more or does it really matter? I think um, I think it, it, it does matter. And there's this, there's this idea of like a line in the sand 
or like a, the red line theory where you can do a bunch of things right and you can do some things wrong, but at the end of the day, everything's cool until you cross the line in the sand, right? And that line of the sand is racism. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the reason why I'm still for cancel culture in, in many ways, in many respects, is because the vast majority of America and those people in power don't believe that racism crosses that line in the sand. It wasn't until we voiced our opinion as people of color, those who were oppressed, mm. that we say that you have crossed this line and we are not okay with that. And we are the citizens of the, UN, of the United States. Therefore, these are the laws. The laws that you have in, instigated should be reflecting our morality, right? And, and our morality states that, that um, systemic oppression um, needs to be rectified in in the manner that we see fit and right now it's almost micro microscopic right we're not talking about let's change the laws because we have the rights that are written but we know that laws are only as good as those who enforce them and also like when we talk about like the constitution like is that like a good example because a constitution was not meant to was not meant for everybody was not created with the intention of everybody in mind, you know, like exactly, yeah, and and that's why when when we become citizens or we are citizens or we've been here, as you said, is that it's up to us to make the government reflect those who live within the country, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if those people reflect those who live in the country, then the constitution should be interpreted for us in our mm-hmm. favor right when when the constitution was originally written it definitely was not written for black people mm-hmm. right it was only written for for white men mm-hmm. not even for white women actually no. right so you know as time progresses so do the laws and the interpretations so that's that's what i was talking about earlier which just comes to the precedence of of these court cases because the laws evolved within those court cases so if we have a court case that says that um, you, you can't eat at my restaurant because you're black, and we have a court case that says that's unconstitutional, and if you do that, then we're just going to close you down, and that reflects, the, that reflects our morality, not the morality that it began with. I like how you brought that up because I just had to Google when's the last time we, had, we made an amendment to the Constitution, and it was in 1992. <laughs> and that makes me like, what was it? Um, it said the 27, 27th Amendment of the Constitution that required any change to the rate of compensation for members of Congress to take effect only after subsequent election of the House of Representatives. So it's really interesting how we like um, we operate in the Constitution, but like, bro, this is literally the last time this was was amended was in 1992 how long was that like 18 years ago or something like that not even 28 years ago right like it's crazy how we're like operating under these old ass rules that need to be updated because like i'm pretty sure every like five years or maybe like every 10 years we need to like do something to this because that is what we're basing our laws on you know what i mean so it doesn't really like make sense to me how we're just how we're trying to live this modern society when our like our rules and our laws are just so outdated 
Yeah, it's kind of like they're kind of treating it like it's the Ten Commandments. Like these are ironclad rules and should hardly be bent. Yeah, but 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 are we surprised though? Like, who is the one saying that this shouldn't be changed? Is the people in power who is mainly Mm -hmm. like old ass white men? You know what I mean? So yeah, maybe in a sense like we need to be focused and really like true to what we need to like cancel and change. Right. It shouldn't be cancel culture. It should be, uh, it should be like change culture. Right. I, I really don't believe we should be canceling anybody because even though like so, so many people like, you know, do fucked up things and make mistakes, everybody deserves a second chance at redemption. Everybody. Well, I mean, everybody needs some sort of second chance redemption. If you fuck that up, then bye. You know what I mean? But I, I don't believe that, like, oh, one strike, you're out. You know? Like, like I, I just feel like we just right. need to be able to, like, approach shit. With, like, I was going to say, like, if you, if you apply that to R. Kelly, you know? No, no, no. That, that dude is done. <laughs> He's still like, yeah, no, yeah. fuck that guy. <laughs> he peed in a girl, and then you found a grooming farm. Yeah. He's, he should be done. He's yeah. He should definitely be done. I just don't know if cancel culture is a is an appropriate response to everything when uh, it is opposite to what we believe. My goal is not agreement; is to acknowledge the differences and to help understand why people feel that way. I like it. Well, that's been another episode of the Hello Machado podcast on cancel culture. Thanks for listening to our bullshit. Bye.